This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 193 of the Catholic Foodie, Fair Food Apothecary in New Orleans. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are talking about health food, but not just any kind of health food. We're talking about health food for foodies. (laughs) And uh, we are going to be joined on the show today by Chef Matt Murphy and his wife, Alicia. Chef Matt Murphy uh, owns and operates uh, the Irish House in New Orleans, right down on St. Charles Avenue. And they have a new venture that the two of them have started recently, about a couple of months ago, called Fair Food Apothecary. And uh, they're going to be here to tell you all about it. So stay tuned right here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right. Uh, very excited about this. Uh, Chef Matt's a, a good friend of mine, and um, I am so happy that they are joining us today on the show. Uh, we're going to feature them a little bit later in the show, but first I want to talk to you about a few things that uh, kind of relate to what we'll be talking about uh, with them. You know, food, we talk about food a lot here at the Catholic Foodie, of course, and uh, a lot of what we talk about is the good things associated with food. Uh, you know, food brings people together. Food uh, plays a a very important role in our lives. Uh, we I just did a show, I guess a week or so ago, a week ago, about how food can be used for uh, charity events. You know, we, we associate that a lot, especially down here in South Louisiana. I know we have a lot of fundraisers that center really around food. Food is the the main draw, if you will, of the uh, of the of the the attendees who come to support, to give money, to to fundraise, whatever it may be. Uh, food is front and center, and so. You know, we talk about food a lot. One of the main things that that I try to encourage and promote here at the Catholic Foodie is uh, for families to cook together, to cook at home, to to cook real food, real meals, you know, and to share those meals around the table with with family and friends. And so that's all wonderful. But you know what? When you talk about food today in our culture and our society, a lot of times you're kind of stepping into a battleground, right? There's all kind of food issues, whether it's uh, food addictions or whether it's food, um, there's a term for it, I'm forgetting, but when people suffer with issues regarding food, whether it's bulimia or whatever it may be, you know, though you have those sort of things that are there. And then if you go to the, the, the bookstore and you look on the shelves when it comes to diet and food, what do you see? You see a thousand or actually thousands of different books and they all seem to contradict each other. This diet is the diet you should do. This one is the one that works right, you know? And so it's constant uh, confusion, constant discrepancy, constantly, um, well, it just seems that nobody really has the answer. You know, and I think if we go back to Aristotle, we could all say that really in St. Thomas Aquinas, that you know, all things in moderation, right? I think that's that's key. But it, my own personal take is when we keep food in its proper context, which is a meal, right? That's what for, for, for millennia, uh, when when people ate, it, it, matter of fact, life, everything about life was about food. 
Um, you think back to uh, the hunter-gatherer days, right? Is uh, Women are uh, at home preparing the meal, and it may take all day to prepare it. And, and the men are out hunting, trying to bring the food home so it could be prepared. And so, you, you, you know, food, it's always been in the context of a meal. It's only in recent history that we have disassociated food from the context of a meal. We have fast food now. You have drive-throughs. You have people eating on the run, eating on the go. We we work so much, and that's really kind of a study all in itself. If you look at the uh, evolution of, of work, um, you can look at Europe even today, where the, you have a siesta in the middle of the day. Uh, some, even in Mexico, the, the, the custom of a, of a siesta. But in here, you know, it used to be nine to five in the States. Now it's like eight to five. Uh, we don't, we work too much. We work way too much. And because of that, we eat on the run, we eat on the go. A lot of times we're eating by ourselves. And unfortunately with, with the busyness that we have in our lives, kids have activities after school, uh, mom and dad coming home late from, from work. A lot of times family meals just don't ever happen. They just don't happen, which is a shame because when you look back at history, and you see what the, you know, the importance of the meal, the meal is what brought everybody together, the whole family together at the table every day. Then you see that, that there's a, there, there's an issue, right? There, there's a problem because there's something inside of us that craves communion, that craves family. And, and well, what, what is that, uh, that saying that we, we've seen before, I'm sure on a poster or heard someone say, how, how do kids spell love? They spell it T-I-M-E. And so a lot of times, you know, we're missing out on that because we're just so busy today. We're just too busy today. And uh, as a result of that, too, we end up making poor choices when it comes to food. And you also see the food industry making choices for efficiency and cost control over good health. And uh, yeah, no one needs to, to, to we, we don't need to do a litany, right, of all the things that are wrong with the food industry. There's a lot of, of things wrong with the food industry. And we're going to talk about a few of those things in brief uh, in just a moment. But the point is, sometimes when you talk about food today, it's not all champagne and giggles like it usually is when I'm trying to be encouraging and inspiring. And, you know, we need to get back to the kitchen and cook. And, you know, that's wonderful. We need that. Absolutely. But a lot of times folks will look at me and say, well, I don't have time to do any of that. How how, how do I do that? And so we're going to talk today to some folks who, um, who made a radical decision they made a radical decision to change their diet and that has impacted in a, in a positive way, in a, in a really big positive way, their own family. But not only that, because of the knowledge they gained in making this decision and carrying it out, uh, they were able in turn to share the wealth with the whole community with everybody around them. And I'm talking about chef Matt Murphy and his wife, Alicia. And you know, uh, these are folks who are, I mean, they know food, right? <laughs> I mean, Chef Matt Murphy's a chef, comes from Ireland. He has, uh, he was on uh, Food Network's Chopped. He won Food Network's Chopped back in 2012. He uh, runs the the Irish house there on St. Charles Avenue, uh, a fantastic uh, place. We've, we've had a few radio shows there on location uh, talking with Chef Matt. And uh, I'm very excited that, that they had this new venture, 
called FAIR, F-A-R-E, FAIR Food Apothecary, which is an interesting title, and we'll hear a little bit more about that later in the show, why they chose that name for this uh, this business. Um, but uh, we also, I mean, they're walking the walk, right? They're walking the walk. And these are folks who know food and, and know it well and uh, did lots of research and opening this new place. And uh, it's all got a personal story behind it. So we're going to we're gonna come back to that shortly. But, you know, this theme of food, of food being almost like a battleground, has been going on quite a bit lately. I've noticed a lot of things, actually, lately. And uh, one of those was a... Um, a video online that I saw recently. It was a very short, I think about two minutes, I believe. And what I might do is I may just play it for you uh, in the background in just a moment. I can't really comment comment on this uh, while it's running, but in um, some of it's in French, but I think you'll get the gist. It's about a, a French grocery store chain that uh, made a decision to, <laughs> it's what they call the inglorious fruits and vegetables, right? The inglorious fruits and vegetables. Um, th- th- there are some foods that get thrown away simply because they're ugly. And I'm talking about just regular things like carrots and onions and garlic and, you know, tons of different fruits. And, and, and vegetables. And uh, instead of them being used in some way, in a good way, a lot of times grocery stores just wind up chunking them because they're ugly and people aren't going to buy a, a three-headed carrot, you know, so, which is ridiculous. You know, it's a lot of food waste and there's a lot of waste that goes on anyway uh, in in the restaurant business and also in the in the um, in the food industry overall, uh, from from production all the way through to grocery stores that are selling it to you. There's a lot of waste that takes place in the food business, and. It was amazing. This um, Intermarché, I believe, is the name of the company. It's a grocery store chain. And they made this decision. They, they kind of repackaged or not even packaged. They rebranded, if you will, uh, these ugly fruits and vegetables. And they called them, I mean, I guess the translation in English is the inglorious. Not glorious, but inglorious, unglorious, not pretty fruits and vegetables. And it's amazing because it took off. And yet people in, in France who, I mean, within the first day, they sold out of all the, I mean, across the, the country. Well, it's just amazing. And so I want to play that for you. It's mainly in English, uh, but there is a little French in there. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You can always go click on the link and uh, it'll take you right to the video. You can watch it yourself. It's really pretty amazing. So let me play this right now. Then I'm going to come back and talk to you about an email I received just a few days ago. Fruits and vegetables are facing an absurd situation. On one hand, people are encouraged to eat at least five a day. A lot of money for families. On the other, we throw 300 million tons of it away each year. As the European Union made 2014 the European Year Against Food Waste, Intermarché, the third largest supermarket chain in France, decided to rehabilitate the non-calibrated and unperfect fruits and vegetables. So we launch Les Fruits et Légumes Moches, the inglorious fruits and vegetables, starring the grotesque apple, the ridiculous potato, the hideous orange, the failed lemon, the disfigured eggplant, the ugly carrot, and the unfortunate clementine. Now, you can eat five inglorious fruits and vegetables a day. As good, but 30% cheaper. How did we do it? 
We bought from our growers the products they usually throw away and sold them in stores. They got their own aisle, their own labelings, and their own spot on the sales receipt. For people to realize that they were just as good as the others, we designed and distributed inglorious vegetable soups and inglorious fruit juices. And it worked. Our new kind of fruits and vegetables were an immediate success. We faced only one problem, being sold out. 1.2 tons average sale per store during the first two days, plus 24% overall store traffic. This initiative increased awareness about food waste. Mais c'est très bien ce que vous faites. C'est très bien. Il y a assez de gâchis. It created a lot of conversation in social networks. Over 13 million people reached after one month, and had a big impact in the media. Finally, journalists suggested that every supermarket in the country should do that. Et moi, je milite pour que ça continue, que ça soit sur, dans ah, tous les supermarchés. Bonne idée. The Inglorious Fruits and Vegetables. A glorious fight against food waste. Man, that's amazing, huh? I mean, that's, I mean, I'm just, bravo. That's all I want to say is bravo into Marche. That's, that was fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm wondering why, why can't we do that here in the States? Why can we not? I remember when I, one of my first jobs, not my first, it was my second job. My second job. I'm going back now. A long time. This is probably 1986, 86. I worked at McDonald's and I flipped burgers in the back. And I love being around food, of course, and I love cooking, but I was absolutely astounded at the amount of waste that went on. You know, food's cooked. I mean, there's a lot of things in place. They're trying to anticipate people who are coming in to order food. They want to have the food ready to go quickly. And so you do have that, you know, you're trying to have something in the in the warmer uh, all the time, but not too much. You don't want to have too much in the warmer. But still, you never can tell who's going to drive up, who's not. And so as a result, you wind up throwing away tons of food. And, you know, my whole thing is if, they, if it's going to be thrown away, why not donate it to charity? Why not stock soup kitchens with food that you thought was too bad to be served? Well, then it becomes a whole legal issue. That's, you know, that's what our world's all about today. It becomes a, a, a question of liability. And so instead of, uh, instead of focusing on charity, it, it's all about liability. It's a sad thing, but that's, that's the reality. So, uh, I'm very impressed with, uh, with, uh, Intermarche. I'm, I'm very impressed. And I, I wonder why we can't do something like that here in the States. I would love to see that, uh, see that happening. Uh, and of course we need to work on food waste in general across the board. I think from, from again, from farm all the way through production to the end, uh, the end user, the end, uh, the point of sale where at the grocery store, or, or wherever it may be. Uh, so I want to tell you, I got an email the other day that uh, made me excited, but it also scared me a bit. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because again, we're talking food and it's it can be sometimes a very delicate subject, a very delicate subject. And, and I'm going to pull this up right now. This, this email came to me. It was actually through the contact form over at uh, catholicfoodie.com. And it was uh, a young lady 
who wrote this. Her name is Sarah Day. So Sarah, thank you very much for uh, for writing to me. We have exchanged emails a few times since uh, since that first contact, but I'm going to read to you just that first email and what she had to say, and I'm going to simply pose the question to to you. I mean, I have my own thoughts, and it may be something that we'll talk about at another time, because uh, I kind of want to flesh this out myself. I want to think about it, mull it over, but I do want to share this with you now. So Sarah writes, she says, uh, hey, Jeff, I started listening to your podcast and I love it. Well, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have a passion for real food and it's nice to combine it with our Catholic faith. Something I have been wondering for some time is how to bring back healthy food to our parishes. Many times when there are events after mass or during ministry events, the food that is served is very unhealthy. In the Bible, God instructs us how to nourish our bodies. The Jewish people take great care to eat kosher foods. We no longer have to eat kosher, but I still think it is important to eat wholesome foods in general. How can we bring this back to our church communities? I realize that money is a factor and it would raise the cost of hosting events. However, I do think it is important to feed ourselves and others good, healthy food. I know there isn't an easy answer, but I would love to hear your thoughts. God bless, Sarah. Well, thank you again, Sarah, for uh, for writing in. And, uh, you know, you and I have communicated uh, via email uh, a few times back and forth on this uh, on this question. Excellent question, by the way. And I I really would like to devote more time and, and, and attention. I mean, I'm talking about online time and attention, time and attention in a, in a podcast or radio show or, or something kind of a, exploring this question uh, a little more fully and not just by myself, but with with others in tow. So um, maybe that's something I need to do on the Around the Table Food Show. But, you know, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it is, it's hard. I mean, it's a, it's a very hard situation because you want to have these events. Churches, obviously, the parishes want to have these events. You want to bring people together. And we do that with food. But a lot of times these nonprofits, and that's what, you know, the churches are, are not for profits, uh, they are struggle. They have their own costs. They have their own uh, limited budgets. And, and so they want, or even ministries within parishes who want to put something on, they have limited budgets and they want to do something really, really good. But at the same time, cost is a huge factor. And so you wind up having um, food that may not be the healthiest that, that ends up getting served at these events. And it's, it's, it's a shame, but it's one of those facts of life. Now I'm with you. I think that there are ways, creative ways to, uh, to, to kind of make this happen and do it in a healthy way. And I'll give you, I'll give you two quick examples. Um, and people who have listened to or who do listen to Around the Table uh, regularly will probably have already heard some of these or at least know what I'm referring to. But a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were asked uh, to cook for a, um, a ministry event in our parish. Our parish, you know, you, most people have heard of Theology on Tap. Theology on Tap is, I think, worldwide at this point uh, where you have young people, 18 to 35, they get together and they have a speaker and it's usually in a very relaxed environment, a restaurant or a bar or something like that. And and you you have some social time and you get to to sip on some beer or whatever and and then you have a, a pretty serious talk some some something substantial about the faith some aspect of the faith 
And I love Theology on Tap. It's a great ministry. It's, it's, it, it, um, it does a lot of good for a lot of people and opens the door, I think, to a lot of people who otherwise would not have even, you know, they may not have walked into a church building, but they'll go to a bar and listen to a priest or to a theologian or to uh, a, a qualified layperson who has a story to, to, to share about the faith. I think it's fantastic. Uh, but the issue is this. I'm, I'm over 35. <laughs> <laughs> and so are a lot of other people I know over 35. So what about those folks? What about my group? What about us, uh, us old, old folks, you know, and, uh, our parish started, we, we are very fortunate by the way, we do have, um, uh, the Abita brewery, the Abita, uh, brewing company is right down the road from my house. And, uh, we're very privileged to have them so close. I mean, great beer, first of all, but they also have a top rate, uh, beer tasting, uh, facility and, uh, hospitality center. And, and, and they're really good about sharing that space with lots of different groups in the community. So theology on tap on the North shore of new Orleans, we get to use that facility for all the theology on tap meetings. Uh, this, this, this new ministry I'm trying to tell you about thirst for truth. We get to use it as well. Uh, but it's not just Catholic stuff. It's, 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 uh, people, um, events, uh, groups in the, in the North shore area, they also get to take advantage of this, this wonderful facility. It's really, a um, so good, uh, community, uh, wise. It's so, so good that Abita is so generous in, in sharing that space, uh, with people, not just the space, but, uh, the beers that are on tap. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's part of the package. So it's, it's wonderful. It's always a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have been either cooking or preparing the food, organizing the food for Theology on Tap and for Thirst for Truth uh, for the last few years. And uh, we're not always cooking it uh, or we're not, not always cooking all of it. We'll cook some of it, but also coordinate with other people and, and we're feeding probably anywhere from 75 to 100 people at a time. So uh, what happened a few years ago or a couple of years ago is some folks who really loved being part of the on tap and, and oftentimes would go in order to get in, they were, they couldn't get in cause they were too old, but they would volunteer to help out just so they could be there to be part of it and to, to hear the speakers and all of that. We thought, well, why not start something else? Why not start something for the old folks like me? And, uh, they started thirst for truth, which is for the 35 plus crowd <laughs> of which I'm a part. And, uh, it's been a, it's been a huge success on the North shore. We, we really enjoy being a part of that. And a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I not only organized the food, but we actually cooked the main component. The main component we did was from my cookbook, my upcoming cookbook uh, called Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine. And we cooked a chicken shish kebab. It was a Lebanese style shish kebab. And uh, the, the food, the chicken was purchased uh, by at, at fresh market, which is kind of like a whole foods, but it's not whole foods. So the chicken was very fresh. It was uh, chemical free. It was, um, uh, you know, it, it didn't have all that garbage in it. Uh, all the vegetables that we used were fresh vegetables. Uh, I think for the most part, there may have been a few exceptions, but most of it was organic. And so we were able to price this out and feed 80 people. Um, and I think it only cost us maybe $170, 170 to feed. 80 people. That's not bad. Not bad at all. And it was good food. It was wholesome food. It was real food. It was home cooked food. We did all the cooking ourselves. And so that, that is an example, but it may not work for every 
event. It may not work for every venue. Uh, just this past uh, Thursday and uh, it was a couple of days ago, uh, we cooked for another event, this time Theology on Tap. And, and we did a variation of the shish kebab. Instead of doing the shish kebabs, we actually did um, uh, grilled chicken. But we made a, a, a very large Mediterranean salad with uh, feta cheese, sun-dried tomatoes, uh, this dressing that I, I typically make for almost all the time. It's my, my daily, my everyday dressing. We made that. And then we topped it with this uh, this grilled chicken that was grilled over charcoal and uh, very tasty. And it had, been, it had marinated for uh, 24 hours in a, uh, a marinade that I do, a Middle Eastern marinade that uh, will be in the cookbook. Uh, comes out November 1st. And it was a hit. It was wonderful. It was also very healthy. We made hummus, lots of hummus, and uh, we had pita available for folks who like pita bread. And uh, sometimes when we do that, sometimes we also like to provide like cucumbers, sliced cucumbers or carrots or celery or something else that people can dip into the hummus that is not uh, it's not bread. So that's just two examples of how we've, we're attempting at least to bring real cooking and real food into church events if, if we can. And and uh, lots of good folks do cooking, and lots of good folks um, use real ingredients uh, to do that. As an example, the Knights of Columbus and all the, the cooking they do in our parish, I know, the jambalayas and the gumbos and everything else is, 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 uh, is, is fantastic. So just a couple of thoughts to share with you about, uh, about this. And Sarah, I, I want to continue this conversation, uh, and I will definitely have something else planned in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Now, uh, it's time for me to bring on uh, Chef Matt Murphy and his wife, Alicia. I'm so excited uh, about this new venture, uh, Fair Food Apothecary. They're going to tell us all about it, why they chose that name, uh, what it's all about, and really the personal story behind it. And it's all about eating real food, good food, food that is is healthy for you, food that um, that's not really, it's just not contaminated with, with, uh, with garbage, with junk, and not processed, not only processed food. You want uh, good food, right? Whole food. Uh, wholesome food. So I'm going to take a break right here. And when we come back, that show will play us through the end of the podcast. So until next time, bon appetit. Welcome to Around the Table. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, joined today by Monsignor Christopher Nolte, a priest of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and David Dawson, president of Catholic Community Radio. We are here today again talking food, faith, and family. Gentlemen, how y'all doing today? Doing fine. Pretty good. I feel like I haven't seen y'all in a while. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, one week leads into another. Mm-hmm. Real quick. <laughs> These summer months, people moving around, in and out of town, half my parishioners gone. I could shoot a cannon through my church last weekend. Everybody's trying to get out of the, out of the warm weather. It does. It does get pretty empty. You know, we were talking about the food in the city and I have been I haven't tried them yet, but I have been told all about Snowblizz. Hanson Snowblizz. Hanson Snowblizz. You can see it's once again one of these moments where the Baton Rouge guy comes down to New Orleans <laughs> and, disco- wrong, didn't and discovers something. Hanson Snowblizz. And it's been around since the uh, 18-what? I, I think the 1600s they had Hanson Snowblizz. <laughs> no, Hanson's is, uh, is right in, right around my parish. And uh, they, they they people of, a lot of people in New Orleans are familiar with snowballs. Yeah. Um, but the typical snowball is made with kind of, um, it's kind of crushed ice, you know, really right. finely done ice. 
enhances it's shaved. And so the consistency is almost like ice cream. I mean, wow. it's not like a, like a regular snowball where it's fine, fine, fine. It's shaved ice. And uh, and so that's their, their claim to fame. They invented their own machine, the Hanson yeah. Snowblizz, it's called. And they uh, and I tell you, you, you go by there any night this week and there's there's a line down the that's block. That's what I heard. Yeah. And I heard yeah. the flavors are incredible. Oh, and yeah. I was my son was describing it to me, saying that uh, just the vanilla, just looking at the bottle of vanilla, has got the vanilla beans in it. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, well, then the you're nectar. Typical. Yeah, there's some really famous flavors. And, they, and you know what they do there? They're also, along with the, another snowball, the Plum Street Snowball Stand, um, they'll do stuff in parishes. Uh, so you can get them and they'll bring the machine. We just really? had them. We had them for Corpus Christi. We had the Plum Street folks and they uh, and they came and then they bring, they're not going to bring all their flavors, right? Because they're, they're trying to, they're, they're out, out of their uh, shop, but they brought about six or eight flavors mm-hmm. to us and uh, made them for all the kids. That's how I get the, the, the parents to stay for the Corpus Christi <laughs> procession as I uh, bribe their kids <laughs> with snowballs and mom we got to stay for the corpus christi because they know they're gonna and then we have uh fried uh, fish afterwards and snowballs oh so, man yeah. that sounds that sounds wonderful Good one stuff. of the most unusual flavors i think i heard was ginger cayenne oh yeah and i would yeah. be all over that uh, those are, that, they're that always like, making you know, new ones back when i was little the names didn't have anything to do with the flavors so they had like batman and yeah, robin right, and right. all these things and <laughs> yeah. uh, but it isn't summer if you don't have a stained tongue you know yeah. i mean you get like this the the, the the grape and you're you know your your tongue your whole mouth is purple they call them snow cones up in the north right. yeah they yeah, do i found that out when i said snowballs they didn't know what the heck i was yeah, talking about yeah. they said no we throw snowballs we yeah. eat snow cones and they, like, and no. you know they kind of because the traditional ones you'd have well, you know one of those con- conical uh, mm-hmm. Holders mm-hmm. to put it in, so it looked like an ice cream cone. Right. But then some of them do things, you know, the sals out in Metairie. We used to go to when I was little, and they would fill it half with snowball, and then they'd put some soft serve ice cream in the middle, mm. and oh. then put snowball again on top. Wow! And oh, oh, oh that, that, that was summer. It doesn't sound too healthy, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at, when you're 12, it doesn't really matter. You know, no. when you get to be uh, old, you like burn it or, off. <laughs> some of us, uh, you got to be careful about you be uh, careful, your sugar huh? intake. Right, right, right. I know. I know. I'm thankful. My wife is is wonderful. She's um, always trying to uh, keep me in line, you know, with with what I cook, what I prepare. It's a full time job, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, some habits die hard, you know. And there's some things that I just like to do, and mm-hmm. if I, you know, it may not be that the healthiest. I just try not to do it too often, right? Uh. So, uh, but you know, we have something uh, new here in New Orleans, which I'm very excited about. And we actually have guests today with us in the studio. Very excited about this. We have Matt Murphy and his wife, Alicia. They're here today to talk about a new restaurant called Fair. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Fair. The name is from... Uh, it is Fair, F-A-R-E. It's okay. in like years ago, Fair. Food, the daily food. fair, yeah. the daily mm, fair. exactly, okay. and it, uh, we call it fair food apothecary because the idea is that food is health. Mm-hmm. And I have a quote that I love that um, is from Hippocrates, the father of medicine, and he says, "Let food be thy health, and medicine be thy food." Or sorry, let food be thy medicine and medicine on my be sheet. thy food. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and really, that's what we believe. We believe that um, if you put good things into your body, your uh, body will be taken care of. You know, it's, it's funny. I had a, uh, someone just the other day uh, wrote to me on CatholicFoodie.com 
And it was an interesting thing because my wife and I talk about this a lot. I mean, the question of health. I mean, we, you look at our society. We have issues. We have big issues. Right. Health big issues meaning really that are descriptive. Right. right? <laughs> that that are that are linked directly to our our diets. And mm-hmm. so, this is a topic of discussion. We talk about this. And I was so amazed. I got this phone call. Not a phone call. It was an email. Uh, this young lady. She was twenty four, I believe. Not in Louisiana. Mm. Uh, wrote to me saying, why is it that in our parishes, when they have any kind of event, the food that they serve is not necessarily the healthiest food? Mm. That's usually the case. And her You're thing right. is, why is it if, if, if food is so important to us as human beings and, and spiritually even, why is it that in our churches we don't even have really good food being served, healthy food being served? Mm-hmm. To us, so I find it. I find it fascinating. I'm so glad that uh, that you are here, first of all, in the studio, but also here in the in the city. Can you tell us more about what you have absolutely, available? Absolutely, absolutely. This is a passion of mine. I love to talk about it. Uh, I'll give you a heads up, though. When I start talking about this, I love it, and you can't <laughs> right. stop me. I get really excited. Don't worry, I'll <laughs> pop the faith in in a moment. Okay, Alicia, you're going to get you're going to get thanks. the hook if we go too long on food. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, let me tell you what we have at Fair. Um, we are a little shop. We just opened just before Mardi Gras. We have everything from juice and smoothies to bakeries. Um, you can see here, I brought you some treats. We have some cookies and some cupcakes. We have um, snacks. We have soups and salads. And the idea is that there are other people like me that want to take care of their children and feed them healthy things, or they have uh, particular health issues, and um, they are are looking for some place where they can just go buy something and take it away. And really nothing like that exists right now. They can do this confidently because you have uh, absolutely. the whole product. I, right? I make everything in the shop. And the reason why this is so important, I'll just kind of give you a little background mm. um, how I came about this. Um, I have um, my husband and I have five children. We have our, our clan, our very big family. And um, our youngest daughter has health issues. She has an autoimmune disease. And um, when she was first diagnosed, I followed what all the physicians told me and I um, gave her the medications that were recommended and I did what I was told. And as soon as I did that, I started researching and reading and learning about what I was actually giving to my daughter and putting in her body. And quite honestly, it scared yeah. scared the bejeebers out of me. Sure. And um, I was really nervous about um, the long-term side effects of some of this medication. So I thought there's got to be an alternative. So again, I started reading and reading and researching and I mean, voracious reading. I was Poor Matt. I was reading health journals at two o'clock in the morning in bed, and but it's I know for your child. You know, I mean, it is for. Uh, and you know what? I think most parents are like this. Uh, they will do anything for their children, and they will try and take care of their children any way they can. And really, I'm no exception. Um, so I discovered that I could control a lot of her issues through diet. Um, and if you look at um, a lot of um, these autoimmune diseases, many, many of them can be controlled through um, reducing the inflammation in your body. And really, everyone knows that now. In any physician you talk to, they will admit inflammation in someone's body is a big problem. Everyone knows that. So what I started researching is how to reduce the inflammation in, in your body. And 
so many of the things that we were eating in our house, I found out were huge inflammatories. I was that mom that said, oh, I'm so good. I take great care of my children. We drink eight gallons of milk a week. (laughs) And only after I started researching did I find out things like milk are a huge inflammatory. Is that right? Absolutely. And what I was actually giving to my daughter, I was giving her, you know, a a meal of beans and rice and I would put cheese on top Mm -hmm, and give her mm -hmm. milk. And holy moly, I was just doing everything (laughs) wrong and I was actually making it worse. Wow. So what I did, I just sat down and made a list and I made a list of, you know, when you start off like this, you just want to remove anything that might be the cause. So I took absolutely everything out of her diet um, that might be contributing to inflammation. And um, it was a lot. And when I first did it, I said, my word, what am I going to feed my Yeah, there's family? nothing left. What am I going to do? Yeah. I took out dairy. I took out gluten. I took out soy. I took out sugar. We, I mean, we had already eaten really healthy food. I took out every single processed food that there was. Mm. And I just did a big clean of my kitchen. I mean, I went through and emptied everything out of the kitchen. I thought, if it's not there... You know, it's not going to be a problem. (laughs) And I have to tell you, for the first month, I thought, holy moly, this is really hard to do. And it was only after about a month that I started sort of getting my groove and going, oh, wait a minute. What if I do this? What if I use Mm -hmm. this? And then all of a sudden it was like it was like the lights, the light bulb went off over my head. And all of a sudden all these doors were open and then it became really, really fun. And that's sort of the stage I've been at for the past year and a half where it's all of a sudden really fun because I'm trying to create these wonderful meals for my children, whether it's a cupcake or a cookie or ice cream or whether it's a a lunch or, um, you know, I do breakfast. notice, uh, Alicia, that you've got all these cookies mm-hmm. on the table, but it says on your um, on your brochure that mm-hmm. you have grass-fed beef, and I don't see any grass-fed beef <laughs> on the table here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, know you, I know we're missing out on the, on the beef yeah. for you, but um, really, these are some of the things that are very important to us. Um, uh, in taking out things like grains and taking out corn, you have to follow it back even further. You can't eat regular if you if you have any issues with corn, you can't eat regular beef if the cow is being fed corn because oh, yeah. it still gets right, into right. their system. You're consuming it. Huh. So really, I tell people it's kind of scary. Once you start learning about your food and the food supply and you really start learning about what it does to your body, what what is happening inside your body, there is no turning back. Mm-hmm. Once you have that knowledge, it changes you forever and you can never turn back. And that's that's sort of the point wow. that I'm at. And so we have created this shop because... Um, I was spending hours and hours and hours every day making everything Mm. from scratch, making our own bread, making our own yogurt, making our own pasta, making everything from scratch. And I looked for 
a place to buy this sort of thing, and I couldn't find any place. Yeah. Even you know my favorite grocery stores in the world. I'm not going to say the names, but Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> but even when I would go there, I I mean I would buy as much as I could, but I couldn't use any of their processed things. Right. I couldn't buy their chicken salad because the mayonnaise has mm-hmm. um, soy or corn or ingredients in it that we don't eat. And so I was making everything from scratch and. I thought, well, if I'm spending hours and hours cooking for my family, I might as well do it for for other people as well. So (laughs) that's what we did. So everything that we have in the shop is anti-inflammatory. It's all dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free. It's all paleo-friendly. That's sort of a buzzword lately. And um, I have people that come in the shop that are so excited that they can find these things, Um, whether it is a mother that has um, a child with some kind of allergy, whether it is um, someone with an autoimmune disease Mm. or, um, you know. And they don't have to study labels uh, because they can pretty much count on what you're doing. Well, right? and not only that, but I have everything very clearly labeled and every single thing in the shop falls within the category of being anti-inflammatory. So I've I'm taken wonderful. out, awesome. I've taken all those things out already, which makes it really easy for people, but it's already labeled. So it's very easy to see. And we're going to talk more about uh, fair and about some of the goods that you have there, some good goodies uh, after the break. We'll be right back. We got five, can't put it out. Are you one of the millions of Americans who can't get their day started without a cup of liquid defibrillation? If so, you're not alone. Morning coffee deficiency affects more and more of us each year. Catholic Community Radio may be able to help you get the caffeine you need to live a normal, productive life. Join the Coffee Club, a growing number of folks just like yourself who use their stainless steel dosage tumbler to get just the right amount of coffee to face the day. Don't let morning coffee deficiency keep you in the breakfast nook. Visit catholiccommunityradio.com today. If you or someone you know is struggling with infertility, the Catholic Diocese of Baton Rouge invites you to a day-long workshop discussing infertility from a Catholic perspective. Saturday, July 26th at St. Thomas More Church in Baton Rouge. Guest speakers include Angelique Ruiz-Lopez, co-author of The Infertility Companion for Catholics, Dr. Rob Chasick, Stacey Galino, Deacon Clayton Oye, and more. For more information or to register, go to mfldiobr.org. Welcome back around the table. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. We have in studio with us today, we have the Murphys. We have some Chef Matt Murphy and his wife, Alicia. We're talking about FAIR, which is, uh, what's it again, an apothecary? It's a FAIR Food Apothecary. FAIR Food Apothecary. Mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated. So when we, you brought some goodies, by the way. I, I see some cupcakes and cookies and mm-hmm. and all kind of good things. I guess we get to try some of that. Or, Absolutely. Or did, did Monsignor already go for it? I already ate oh, I, I, know. I see some things missing I, You there. know, once, the, the, uh, once I didn't get the, the grass-fed beef, I had to, like, <laughs> dig into one. Well, actually, you know, we were talking on the break about this food, and um, I, I really avoid processed flour, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't say that I never have pasta because I do every now and then. But... Um, 
I started cooking a little bit with almond flour, and you told me this had almond flour, and I just had to try it, and mm-hmm. it's and it's fabulous, and it's it's the kind of consistency that I like because as someone who doesn't eat much sugar at all, I really don't like overly sweet things, yeah. and I don't I don't put sugar. I occasionally put like CV in my coffee or that type of thing, but I don't in my espresso, but I don't use any sugar, and so having this as honey and almond flour, it's it's just exactly what I like to eat. Do you it's notice beautiful. a difference in the flavor with the almond flour? Um, no, you know if you had not told me it was almond flour, I wouldn't know. Okay. But, uh, but I can tell that it's Try not a one. sweet, sweet cookie. Try that and I don't like a sweet cookie. We're sampling. Uh, uh, Jeff, what are you, what well, are you this, about to this sample? Is, I was going to ask that. What, what's in this one right here? This that is, is a raisin spice cookie. Okay. Yes, indeed. And the base of that is flax. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Fascinating. You know, I was, I was curious. The, the chocolate chip is fabulous. Yeah. And you know, it's... Is it chocolate? I mean, it you is. To- and, you know, it's funny. Matt just gave me a nudge and said, yeah, tell them about your chocolate. So, um, you know how I was saying, once you start reading and learning about things, right. you're like, ooh, you can't undo that and learn that. It is really hard trying to find good, healthy chocolate. Mm. Now, everyone thinks chocolate's bad. Chocolate's actually mm. really, Chocolate's good really for good for you. It's only once you add all the bad the sugar stuff syrup. to mm-hmm. it, the, the soy or the lecithin or the sugar or dairy or whatever. So what we started doing is I actually started making my own chocolate, mm. um, which sounds really wow. crazy, but it's actually really <laughs> easy. I just don't add all the other stuff. I use unsweetened cocoa and honey and vanilla. and um, That is good chocolate. Oh, yeah. That's good, isn't wow. it? Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Keep going, uh, honey. No, cocoa. no, no. That's it. That's it. And really? um, and coconut oil I use as well. Um, yeah, oh. it's it's really good. I I just am starting to look into even making my own. People think I'm crazy. I'm sure my own vanilla extract because I don't want all these oh, yeah. additives. Yeah. I mm. want my good basic ingredients. I want stuff that my great grandmother could have found right. and used a hundred years ago. I was honestly expecting a funny tasting chocolate because you know mm. when it's, it's a healthy chocolate for you, it's like really. Yeah, it's, and, well, you know, you know the healthy chocolates now they bill as healthy chocolates have all these weird additives in them. Yeah. Apparently, no, that's not, what I mean. Exactly. Naturally. This is good, and I. But you know what? You just kidding. touched on. Something that's so important, and this is what I'm trying to fight. So many people think, "Oh, it's healthy. Oh, it must not taste not good. taste good. Right. Oh, it yeah. must not be good." Well. And you know, that's why I think New Orleans is the perfect city to start something like this because yeah. New Orleanians do not settle for bad food. No. They don't say, "Oh, I, I'm going to eat healthy. I, I I don't care if it doesn't I'm taste have good." Deep fried kale exactly. Today. Yeah. People want something that Can tastes I have kale good. On my- uh, roast beef, poor boy. And my right. buffaletta. That's right. Right. So we that's why I'm it. excited about doing it here. We were talking about it during the break, but nowadays it seems there's so many artificial things. Look, I, I something weird happened when I was over in Alabama uh, at Christmas last year. I, we had guys came over and we had hamburgers. All right. I took the buns and just to get them out of the way, put them on top of the fridge. Yeah. I went back to Alabama in June and the oh. buns hadn't changed. Oh. Okay. That's unnatural. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. That's unnatural. Yeah. That kind of freaked me out. Like, yeah. Because I would expect it. They would be moldy and crusty and they look like they did six months earlier. Okay. There's something in there. <laughs> that's not that's right. It's not allowing the natural process of decomposition to take right. place. And, uh, and and all that is because they, I mean, it's, it's for, for storage and for transportation. Sure. sure. You know what I mean? So it's not really, it doesn't 
it adds nothing at all to the food itself. All it does is try to preserve it so they can keep it on the shelf longer so someone will buy it. That's right. pretty spooky. And that's, yeah, and you're eating it. And they do it with vegetables, too, right? <laughs> they breed the vegetables so that they look good and they last for a long time and they don't right. taste like anything. And they don't have any flavor. But, yeah. I, that's what I've noticed, and, too. And I know people say, well, why is food so different now? Why is this not the same food that was 50 years ago? And it's all about, you know, in any business, it's always about money. And it's really, when you think about it, this bread that sits on top of the refrigerator, financially, from a business perspective. Makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's a smart thing to do. Is it healthy for us? Is it nutritional? Is Is it something that is good for the long term mm-hmm. um no wow <laughs> definitely not so and then when yeah. you get when you when you take all this bad processed food um and I, and i think specifically of like especially sugar mm-hmm. just just total processed sugar and you add it to to, to water your corn syrup and you have all this this soda that has so many calories in it mm-hmm. what happens people develop their bodies react to it people mm-hmm. get diabetes mm-hmm. and then what do the doctors give they give you chemicals to take care of it exactly so so you got ruined by eating food you shouldn't eat, and then right. you got to use chemicals to protect you. And I and I was telling you guys on the break that I was you know you get older and you're you, you don't have something in your esophagus doesn't close from your stomach acid. It's mm-hmm. called acid reflux. You see right. the commercials, Nexium, yep. right? Doctor wants me to take Nexium because I had some acid reflux. I said for how long? He says, oh, for the rest of your life. And I think, wait a minute, I'm going to take this pill of something I don't even know what it is right. every day for the rest of my life because of this. Is there something else I could do? And I changed my diet. I changed how I eat. Right. You know, the old adage about eating is eat like a king at breakfast, a prince at lunch, and a pauper at dinner. That's and smart. so you 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 I eat more in the morning. I try to. I still occasionally have to go out to dinner, but what I'll do is I'll instead of having an entree, I'll get two appetizers. I'll get yeah. something small. Right. Because uh because eating a lot at night gave me acid reflux. Mm-hmm. So I did change change. And in and in Italy where I was for ten years, that's the meal. Lunch is the big meal. You take a little nap really? afterwards, yeah. I, Nobody, like that. I like that people habit. at dinner. They'll they'll have some soup or something really small. But see, that says a lot. If you just follow tradition, and there's a reason why it was like that for so many years. I would tell people, look, these people have been eating in this city for 2,800 years, okay? (laughs) They know about stuff. Yes. They they know how to eat. And see, Americans will go to Rome, and they'll they'll have pasta twice a day. They'll have pasta at lunch, pasta dinner. No Italian would have pasta twice a day. Right. You have pasta at one meal, and then the other meal, you're having something really small. So your your last meal of the day is a tiny, you know, some soup or sharing a pizza or something like that. And they they also are big on naps, which I, you know, found to be very, very good. And now research, you know, all the research about our bodies is coming around that people are really encouraging naps. They help with memory retention. You know, you should, the Romans never did a eight hour night sleep. They would sleep a little during the day and then they would wake up in the middle of the night and they would just follow their normal body rhythms instead mm. of being told you need to sleep at from 10 mm-hmm. to 6 or, or from 11 to 7, you know, your eight hours is do what your body is and pay attention, but you should do it with your diet too, mm-hmm. you know, and see what, what, if you stop taking some foods, maybe you can reduce the medication you're taking. You I know? always encourage people read, 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 mm-hmm. research, find because out it's so as much easy. as you, you don't even have to go to the library. You can do it on your phone. Oh my you know, gosh. Information is stuff. everywhere these days. You must have noticed when you were cleaning out your kitchen, mm-hmm. just wiping it, you must have noticed how much sugar or uh, corn syrup was in things that probably didn't even taste sweet. 
Well, I have to tell you, before I did the big kitchen clean out, I already um, had taken... Ch- when I had children, I'm slightly obsessed about my family. Sure. I am... My, your mother. Any mother should yeah. be. I, my mother's obsessed about me. I and joke and tell people yeah. that I am having super children and the Murphys are going to rule the world one there day. Go. The five little Murphy well, girls. Irish. No, of course. Well, hey. that's true. They've got a we pretty tough do. dad, too. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah... I, I had already taken all of those things out when I first had the children, but I am a ferocious label reader, and I'm not one of those people that picks it up and just looks at the black and white label that says how much, what they say, like calories and fat. I don't Carbon care about that stuff. Right. I don't care. What I look at is the ingredients, mm. and you're right. And if you can't Corn pronounce them. Is, uh, that's always what I've said. If you can't <laughs> pronounce it, you probably shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. But it's amazing. <laughs> Corn is in everything. everything. Oh, wow. Again, and like you were talking like about with syrup and corn. A, a good financial uh, business decision. Corn is cheap. Stretches. It's easily processed. Mm-hmm. It stretches. You can turn it into so many different things. Don't even get me started about GMOs, but oh. 95% of all corn in the U.S. is genetically modified corn. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of scary if you try and remove that from your diet and you start reading the labels. You're out of food, aren't you? Yeah. You, you better grow you, a garden is what you better do. No, what you need to do is stop eating that processed food is what you have to do. That's amazing. That's yeah. something like corn, which you would consider. I say read your labels. You will be shocked. Read the label on everything you eat for 24 hours and you will be shocked at what you're putting in your body. Did yeah. you notice, by the way, while you were doing that uh, house cleaning and everything, that uh, Chef Murphy spent a whole lot of time at the restaurant? Uh, <laughs> Wait, I'm... I-, I was going crazy <laughs> in the corner going, you're getting rid of bread? Uh, what? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, try, try and take bread, cheese, and milk, milk? away from yeah. an Irishman oh. and it's, it's definitely not... And a potatoes. And potatoes. Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you, for the first month, he stormed around the kitchen. There's nothing good to eat in the the house. And and now, and now, how do you feel? No, I feel great, actually. I'm pretty much like my senior here. I had, you know, acid reflux, and I I found when I got all that processed stuff out, it went away. Is that right? Okay. It's an easy choice to not eat something that's making you, giving you those problems than having the then start, you know, buying these medication they were going to take for life, you know? Right. Right. So, it, you know, it's like, um, well, you know what? Thanks. It's a good term. Cooking term is pay the butcher or the doctor. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, probably falls right in line is if, if you spend the money on having a good diet, good food, looking after your body, um, and, and what you're doing, then, you know, it ultimately means you're going to have less costs and you're going to have less issues with, you know, the diabetes and stuff like that and other disease issues out there. But for the, you know, you see in this day and age, just so much of these things just blowing up that you see these medical issues. And we're like, everyone is saying, how is it? How is this happening? And a lot of it is Diet. all that processed um, stuff that's going in your system. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to comment and look at this felt figure we have. Going. You know what? You're a smaller guy than when I saw you last. Probably been well, buying some new clothes. I'll, I'll tell you, I lost 35 pounds. Yeah, you lost and, some and, weight. And I didn't, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I'm like the biggest person to say I'm always on a diet and, but of, of something and then being in the kitchen. But I, I felt um, it was very easy just giving up certain things. And um, 
you know, uh, changing, changing the diet yeah. was saying, okay, I'm not going to eat these. Cause I, so many times in the restaurant, you have people come in and, and they'll hand you a piece of paper with a list of 30 ingredients saying, this is all I can eat. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I, I was always like, you know, that's, that's gotta be tough. And, uh, but it, sometimes it's easier to follow a list of what you should eat right. Right. rather than, you know, what you can't eat. It's, we always look at things positive. Well, fantastic. Well, this is, we're talking about FAIR again, FAIR on Magazine Street. I know you're on Facebook as well. I'm going to put links uh, over at CatholicFoodie.com for anybody yes, who wants that. But uh, we're running out of time. So, Monsignor, uh, could you give us your blessing, please? The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. See you next week. Bye.